0: time for my shitty banter blah 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 got shrimp coming every time got steph shrimp. talks to me gotta talk about shrimp now you're brought up to speed my,
1: yeah make him think of shrimp <laughs> <laughs> hello everyone uh i am james stephanie sterling cringe shrimp as well and i'm joined by laura kate
2: dale hello i'm here as well i hear you're getting shrimp soon yeah thoughts on shrimp Laura, I'm I'm not a fish person in any way, shape or form. Not a fish, no seafood for you. But like, I do find, I I don't know why shrimp are such a fascinating food. Like if I was going to have to come up with a comedy food to mention to be like, ah, how ridiculous I've mentioned a food,
0: it would be shrimp. Well, it's kind of, you know, like one of the cockroaches of the sea Mm. in a way, you know.
1: Fascinating creatures.
0: Yeah. I mean, they just eat dirt. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's what makes them so healthful. Conrad. Yeah. Thoughts on shrimp?
0: (laughs) Uh, I like a good shrimp. Mm -hmm. I think shrimp's a pretty versatile little shellfish. I like shellfish, generally speaking. I'm not a big fish person, but I like shellfish specifically in terms of my sea life.
1: I'm the same. Yeah, I'm not, like, big on fish. I like fish. It's fine. Yeah, but
2: seafood is a thing. Yeah, I'm fond. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't be doing with anything out of the ocean. Don't can't know what relate. it is. The the ocean's just not 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 vibing with me. Not for you. It's <sighs> not it's not the all-you-can-eat buffet
1: that it represents to Conrad Knight.
0: Well, maybe this connects to Laura as the Moon Goddess and and her relationship mm. to the tides.
2: Exactly, I, I oversee all the creatures of the sea as I I you know pr- protect the tides. And I'm actually quite quite insulted that you eat the creatures of the sea. And eventually, you will feel my wrath. I can't believe you got such awesome fucking spam. I'm still getting I'm still getting fucking emails from her. Like I'm still getting. Daily new emails from her All
1: I get are calls asking to speak to who pays the electric bill Constantly I'm expecting a call I think it might be something useful And then I pick it up And it's gonna speak to who pays the electric bill every time
2: Ah, okay, I've pulled up the most recent letter from my moon goddess lady Oh, Mm brilliant! Literally just out the blue the, the most recent email Did you miss my previous messages regarding the all-powerful saint who wishes to revive your fortune and change your luck permanently?
0: Oh, well, did
2: you? I I did! I did miss that email! Apparently there's... somewhere in there, there's an email about an all-powerful saint. Uh, I'm reading on. He usually doesn't appear for many people unless previously summoned... Do you remember requesting his assistant at some point in your life? Hmm. Did I at some point in my life call for an all powerful saint? You may have done. Uh-huh. Aha. <laughs> also, she's convinced I'm 47. Maybe you are in moon years. <laughs> Oh, is that how it works? Moon time is
1: very different from Earth time 29 Earth years is 47 moon years Cool, got it Exactly, that's how it works That's how this whole thing works
2: Oh, wait, wait, wait There is something else in that most recent email Sorry, I skimmed ahead to the end of it She wants me to buy a
0: gold divine shield I love that these emails are long enough That you have to skim (laughs) them
2: yeah, um the gold divine shield secured exclusively for you from the Saint Gold Shrine. Mm. Mm. How much how much does she want for this shield? Is it a full size shield? No, it's a coin. Oh. How much does she want for this coin that she's calling a, sh- a shield? How much is it? Uh, only a hundred dollars for the uh, for the for the gold shield. Oh, that's the, the... reasonable. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, hundred dollars for a, di- a gold divine shield secured exclusively for me from the Saint Gold Shrine. I mean, let me tell
1: you, the Saint Gold Collection is nothing <laughs> to sniff at.
2: You
0: know, I I have been uh, trying to get into purchasing bespoke items, uh, and you can't find values like that. No, certainly not for a shield.
2: I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm when we talked about this last, like, months and months and months ago, I was already, like, this has got to end soon, right? <laughs> like, I've got to have exhausted all of your creative fan fiction. And no, she's still fucking, like, daily I am getting, like, new bits of lore added to the big spreadsheet. One of these days I will make a big mood board of, like, all the connections <laughs> going on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh god, there's gotta be a book in it. Or or an Elron Hubbard style religion. Yeah,
2: there's gotta be some way I can make money out of this. I don't <laughs> know how yet. <laughs> the reverse Something... grift. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like you, if you
1: just plagiarized it, it's scamming the scammer.
2: <laughs> uh, well here's the thing, is it plagiarism? If she's telling me this is my life, is it plagiarism if I merely inform people of
0: my life events? That's true. She can't have copyright on my life. Oh, wow. This is a really interesting, because in order for them to claim that they own the narrative, they have to claim it's fiction. So they're in exactly. a really weird position. Yeah.
2: They would have to admit that they have been lying in every single email and that this was fiction
0: rather than, than honesty. It was the product of their own imagination. Yeah, I think you've got a
2: exactly yeah oh scam the scammers you've
0: done it
1: (laughs) so welcome to podquisition hell yeah where we scam the scammer
2: we we scam the scammers who's gonna scam a scammer first this week well i think you scammed the most
0: scams that's true
2: yeah ah video games i should probably talk about some of them i played a few of them this week yeah we played the same one yeah should we talk about that same one we played yeah so I've played one playthrough of this so far, but we both played uh, Road 96. Yeah, this
1: is a good game,
2: Uh, unlike another one with 76 (laughs) in it. No,
1: this is is pretty good. I'm on my third trip now. I'm on my third run through.
2: I have to ask, how varied have the runs been for you so far? Because that's my big lingering question.
1: So... I'm more interested in how different it might be when every single run is done,
2: yeah, because
1: my second run and my third so far are completely different,
2: yeah, because here's the thing when when this so for anyone who doesn't know, this is billed as a sort of randomized um road trip across America, try and escape over the border from bad event happening, yeah.
1: Think like Edith Finch procedurally generated
2: Yeah, and the way I'd pictured this before picking it up Was I thought it was going to be the same one journey With randomised elements But from having finished the first run It started talking about episode 2 As if it was going to be a different story At a different point in the overall narrative And I'm like, oh that's really interesting
1: Yeah, yeah, it's so, yeah, the, the idea is you're making this road trip through this totalitarian country to cross the border and you encounter these characters along the way. So you get these little the road trip is presented as these one off scenes mm. where you've got some choices with dialogue and stuff. And there is some Edith Finch style stuff like it's mostly a yeah. narrative game. But there's things like you can pump gas or there's a car chase one. Yeah. It's all different encounters, and your whether you choose to like get on the bus or hitchhike or some or walk, yeah, different things can happen and you meet these different characters and as you go on your subsequent trips you if you get one person's story done, and then uh in terms of you as the road tripper, once you're done with one road trip, you do another one, and then you get even more scenes with these characters, mm. and there's a percentage tracker I guess to end up seeing everything.
2: Yeah, it's it's real interesting. I really enjoyed my first playthrough. It took maybe about an hour and a half, if I had to guess. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised at how short it was until
1: I realised that, oh, wait, no, this is...
2: Once I realised that it was going to be drastically different stories and not reshuffles of the same sort of se- t- timeline of events, I was a lot more okay with the, you know, 90 minutes, I had a story, I'll come back for more of it later. Yes, and as you... Progress as you go through,
1: you just get to see more of these characters, and mm. they've each have a story, but there's um there's a wider story going on yes and and that's all unfolding. And there's some really nice ways the stories sort of interact with each other.
2: I've already met like multiple characters where it's like, oh, that's the character that character was talking about earlier. And oh, there- there's something going on with theirs interconnecting. Mm-hmm. That said, clear front runner for favourite characters I've met so far is the two bikers. Of course, the robbers. Mitch and Hank, I think their names are. Yeah, Mitch and Hank are amazing. I love them. They're I so I kind I kind of just want to go on a full adventure with them where I I never leave. They're they're the they're the best. I
1: do that. If they ever yeah, I would a full adventure where you're with Mitch and Hank, I would be up for that.
2: I was very invested in them and I feel like they genuinely cared about me. It was very
1: I love them. Yeah, and their story gets interesting. I've only seen well, I saw one scene with them in the demo, because I tried the demo. Mm. And in the main game I'm doing so far, I've seen two scenes with them. And the last one I had with them was interesting. It, it, it sort of delves a little more into them as characters. And, and yeah, it was good.
2: Yeah. So far, my only complaint about this game, and it's a really minor one, is playing on console. I found selecting dialogue options a little bit fiddly. It can be a pain in the ass. They shouldn't move around. Yeah, so here's the thing. Dialogue options will appear next to characters, which is usually fine, but sometimes a character will, for example, be walking and sort of bouncing a little up and down as they walk and their dialogue boxes are sort of doing the same as they move. And there's at least one where I tried to click on a dialogue option as someone took a step and suddenly I clicked on the wrong thing. Same I know exactly which one. It's the desert, right? Yeah, the guy walking in the desert, Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, like, things like that. It's, like, I kind of wish that the dialogue options had been, like, you know, press up, down, left or right on the D-pad or something a bit more, a a little less finicky. Yeah, But, like, that is my only complaint so far with this game. I've had a really good time with it. It's a little little bit indie jank in places, but, Mm -hmm. like, certainly not. So much that it has stopped me enjoying
1: this Yeah, and the aesthetic's real nice It's got this sort of, you know Bit of a borderlandsy thing going on The writing is good, the overall story is interesting The characters are really nice Like, really fun So yeah, yeah, I Yeah, I really like it
2: Yeah, I, I'm i definitely gonna finish it this week And I'll I'll talk about it again next week Probably once I've seen the whole thing But like, that first episode I was really, I was really impressed by how many opportunities there were, like, basically once per little scene and interaction, there was at least one moment where I felt like I could make a meaningful choice about what I wanted to do. There was at least one choice in each scene that felt like, okay, I have I have left a mark on this scene. Yeah,
1: yeah, I certainly hope so. I hope it's not smoke and mirrors, but... We'll see as
2: time goes on. It, it felt like it. Yeah. Conrad, what have you been playing this week?
0: I've been playing a lot of The Ascent, mm. which is a top down third person dual stick shooter with RPG elements. Uh, it kind of feels a little bit like uh, Diablo with guns, but way less inventory equipment loot bullshit to deal with, which is nice. It's set in a Hyper capitalist future with uh, some interesting non human races that are curious to understand more about uh I haven't gotten into a lot of lore about any of that, but I have gotten a fair bit of lore about corporations run by artificial intelligences, and there's an interesting sort of inciting incident in this where the a i controlling a company that owns All of the property that you live in and is, you know, entire – everyone who lives there is an indentured servant to this company. So, all systems are basically fucked uh, when this inexplicably files for bankruptcy and no one knows why. And this triggers other corporations moving in to try and just capture the resources through violence Mm -hmm. because there's no corporate security now being paid to defend it. Kind of cool. And – I like the way the story is developing. I generally, the missions are are your usual sort of stuff for this. Go to this other area, meet this person, kill a bunch of people on the way, go to another place to collect an item, kill a bunch of people along the way, yada, 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 rinse, repeat. But it's fine if you like that sort of thing, and I do. I, I don't mind a little repetitive, casual, meditative gunplay. So that works fine for me. The environment design is fantastic. I really love visually how it all looks. It looks very handcrafted and detailed. Map design, by contrast, is occasionally a little frustrating. Pretty quickly, it does open up some options for faster travel, which is nice. Uh, I still haven't figured out how to use one of those, but I'm sure it's in a little tutorial thing that I skipped past. It likes to forget that it's given you tooltips and not in the convenient, oh, I forgot how to do these mechanics kind of way, but more in the whenever you go back to the weapon shop on a new load, it tells you, oh, by the way, you can sell weapons. (laughs) It's like, okay, but I know that. Um, It has some weird things with its side mission recommendations. To where it will recommend difficulty at a pretty low level for a mission that is located in a place that you can't get to until you've completed a bunch of missions that would put you well over that threshold. And the one I'm thinking of specifically, it's like, oh, it's like level two or level four and you're level five. And it's the reasonable side mission that you go to pursue. And you have to fight through some fairly difficult enemies at this point to get to the entrance to an area that actually is locked off to you. Because there's a couple of story missions you have to do before it becomes available. And it doesn't make that clear. And so I'm standing there at this door and the checkpoint indicator is on it. And I'm, I've opened the door. By hacking it, because you can hack some doors, and I don't think it was supposed to let me even do that, but now the door is open, but I'm getting no indicator to go into it. I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing here? It's difficulty is sort of based regionally, so you go into areas and you will find enemies that are perhaps too difficult for you to face, and that's supposed to be, oh, I'm not supposed to go here yet. And that generally works okay, but there's also a weird thing that the game does when enemies are moving into position from spawn. Sometimes they have tremendously high defense during that period of time. And so you might be shooting them and doing very little damage and wondering what the fuck's going on and freaking out. Uh, But it seems to just be this quirk about the game wanting to position its enemies before you can attack them at, at your full strength. Hmm. It's odd. There's some little weird things about it that don't quite add up. Also playing it on PC, explosions. Boy, that really just drops the frame rate very suddenly. But the game's fun. I'm enjoying playing it. It's on Game Pass. Um, I really like that the loot arrangement is I'm just picking up guns and armor. There are a bunch of different guns but they don't have effects on them you just level them with components you find and any gun you pick up of that type is at that level and that's the way it is and you sell off your duplicates with one button great very convenient armor is you know has like five, six statistics associated with it, representing resistances to various types of damage. It's not too complic overly complicated. It makes it very easy to make comparisons. You still wind up with a sizable collection of just stuff to compare. Um and eventually, you know, you're looking at a huge list of it and you're like, oh, I should just get rid of some of this weak stuff, but then you might wind up accidentally picking up some of it again because it all has these names associated with them, and it's not clear what they are, and you're not going to get much money for them, but now they are going to clutter up your inventory a bit, so it's not totally hassle-free, but at least they've lightened it up in a way that it's not cumbersome all the time to deal with inventory, and I appreciate that pretty cool game. You get some bionic augments that you can choose between to give you some special abilities mapped to your shoulder buttons. There's uh, a grenade that is strangely mapped to your left analog button press. So I don't use it a lot. And when I do use it, it's by mistake. But it's there. Kind of neat. One feature I do like about it is that um, you remote trigger all of your your grenade attacks, apparently, Ooh. which is cool. It's There's no cooking, fucking around with that shit. You launch it out by pressing the button. You press the gun. It detonates wherever it is. Um, and when it goes out, you'll see the explosive radius of it as it goes. So you just track it and time it to hit that group of enemies perfectly. Uh, I do like that. So mixed bag, but it's pretty. It plays pretty well, even if it's not like super thrilling. The story's pretty good. The setting's interesting. It's worth checking out on Game Pass at the very least if you have that. So, yeah. The Ascent, I'm going to probably play it through to conclusion. I think I'm about a third of the way through, judging by the way the story's going. It's fun. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. What about you, Steph? Me? Oh, wait, no, I bet Laura's played more. I know Laura's played more.
2: I've, I've played a bunch. I'll, I'll, I'll do another one. So I played through the entirety of Boyfriend Dungeon this week.
0: Okay, now that was one that also popped up on Game Pass. I saw it and I thought, wow, half of this gameplay looks like it's ideal for me, <laughs> but all of this looks like it's ideal for Laura.
2: Yeah, so... For me this really captures Like the middle ground of what I like About two different genres So for anyone who doesn't know anything about Boyfriend Dungeon It is half Visual novel dating sim Half dungeon crawling Isometric uh, combat game And the basic gameplay flow Is that when you go into dungeons, you have these swords that transform into hot men. Not always men, there's, there's some women, there's some non-binary people that they can transform into. But basically, you, you use your weapons in the dungeon, level them up until they reach a level cap. Then, when you leave the dungeon, aha, you've leveled them up. Time to go on a date with them, unlock a new move, go back to the dungeon, level them up some more. So the two systems sort of require you to do both halves of the game. If you're someone like you, Conrad, who played Hades and was like, I don't
0: want to deal with the plot. Oh yeah, no, this is going to be my worst fucking nightmare and I know it.
2: I'll say this, the dating sim plot bits are always very short And you could just mash through them until you see the pick your new ability screen and then mash through them and be through them in a couple of minutes. Because here's the thing. A lot of dating sim visual novels are absolutely huge sprawling walls of text everywhere. And this game does away with a lot of that. Because of the fact that you are going and doing dungeon crawling gameplay with your sword boyfriends, they basically take out any of the like fluff that would usually be between dates and they go right the only dating sim stuff we're gonna do is the dating moments themselves and they're all short concise little here's a, here's a few minutes of like here's the next bit of their story okay right back to the dungeon i really like that you can date all of the all of the the weapons in a single playthrough and you don't get any, in any trouble for that. You can just see them all in one playthrough. You can, you can dot around being like, all of you are cute. I'm going to date all of you. But yeah, as as you go through the game, you unlock different abilities. All of the weapons are decently distinct in how they work. Um, usually they'll all have a specific gimmick to what their play style is. So for example, you start off with a little fencing sword and the whole idea with that is... If you hold the roll button rather than press it, you do a counter and you can counter hits and you can riposte. Uh, There is a sword that's all about dealing bleed damage and eventually gaining health back the more uh, concurrent enemies you have bleed on. Uh, There's one that's to do with laying down black holes that will either do damage or they'll pull in enemies from a certain distance and keep them in place. A lot of the skill tree for each weapon is linear, but every couple of levels they'll give you a choice between a couple of different upgrades and you can freely swap back and forth which one you want to pick. So you're not locked into a choice, which is nice. I will say, as much as I really enjoyed the dungeon crawling gameplay in this, it is not terribly replayable in that it lacks the randomized reason to come back and reattempt the dungeon and reattempt the dungeon that you would see in something like a a roguelike, like like a Hades or something. There are a couple of dungeons and like I had a great time with all of the weapons and playing through all the content, but there was nothing that made me go, oh, now that I've finished the story, I'm going to come back and keep playing the gameplay. It was great while I was doing it. I had no great desire to come back because I was like, oh, it's going to be the same couple of dungeons that I have been through a couple of times now at this point. Um, I'm, I'm good. I've seen enough of it. If you are someone who, like me, enjoys a bit of dating sim fluff and also enjoys, you know, that, that sort of isometric combat, this is a really good game. I like that it keeps the narrative so con- concise and short. I like that you don't have to date all the characters, that like you can form a meaningful, non-romantic, non-sexual relationships and they're just as valid for progressing through the game. There are some things of note about this game. You may have seen there's been some discourse about it. I, I will try and keep this succinct. The game has some content warnings at the start. The game was very much presented over the three years since its Kickstarter as very much just lighthearted dating sim, and a lot of people booted it up and went, oh, that's some content warnings that I didn't expect from how this was was marketed. Content warnings have now been updated. At launch, they were, um, how do I describe them? The content warnings suggested that certain elements might happen in the plot and would be sort of referenced. No, they are definitely going to happen in the plot, and they are not just references, they are core parts of the plot. Be aware that this game deals with some subject matter including stalking and emotional manipulation. Those are things that happen in the plot. Be aware of those going in, they're not going to be for everyone and some platforms like Switch will let you get a refund if you, if you don't discover that until you purchase it. But yeah, I had a really good time with Boyfriend Dungeon. It took me maybe 10 hours or so to, to play through and see all of, all of the different characters' storylines. I felt a little disappointed that toward the end you're encouraged to be like, pick one character to go on the last mission with, and I tried that a few times with a few different characters. Ending did not in any way change based on who I took to the to the end of the game, which is a bit disappointing. And there's a couple of the couple of the character narratives that are a little railroaded slightly to certain endpoints, but I mean, I had a really good time. I played through this in about two play sessions and I'm very, very glad I gave it my time. All right. Yeah, This is a boyfriend dungeon.
1: I mean, I was tempted by it, but I just, I don't know if my concentration will let me do the dating bit.
2: That's fair. I will say the dating bits are all very short. And I think that that helps. Okay. You will have maybe three or four minutes at most if you're, if you're going through it, not you know, skimming through right. it. Maybe th- three or four minutes and you'd be like, right, I've had that little date. Now I can get back. I can, I can go back and keep dungeon crawling if I want.
1: All right, I'll consider it then.
2: Yeah, it's not nearly as text heavy as a lot of dating sims right, of that yeah. ilk tend to be. Steph, what did you play? Did you play anything else? Yeah.
1: God, there was three, wasn't there? I know I did Vampire.
2: You did Back for Blood as well. Oh fuck,
1: yeah. How's <laughs> Back for Blood? Memorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's alright. It's Left for Dead with less charisma.
2: Sounds sounds about what I would have guessed.
1: Yeah, like it feels slower, it feels less distinct. There are more characters but far fewer sort of defining traits among them. They're all fairly plain and flat. The special not infected, the special ridden are uh, I was told once when I I spoke to, um, I think it was Chet Falazek at Valve, uh, they were talking about silhouettes and how they wanted each special infected in Left 4 Dead to have a very recognisable silhouette. So that if you thought of like a hunter from Left 4 Dead or a smoker or something, you'd immediately have an idea of what they look like. Whereas in this... Half of them aren't that distinct And those that are like the tall boy Like these bigger ones Are just boring They just don't look all that interesting You know, there's one zombie one with a big arm And there's one zombie one that's Like big, like fat And sort of nondescript Outside of that Of course that's the one that blows up and is sick on people Because of course it is There's ones that jump about sort of hunter-like That um, leap onto things And shoot stuff, but Nothing's all that interesting. As a game, it's it's pretty decent. It's got a lot of guns in it, and there's almost this Fortnite element where you pick up guns out in the wild and they've got different ratings, you know, like your loot ratings, common and epic and all that shit. Um, between rounds, you uh, select cards. You draw cards from a deck that give you bonuses, like melee kills give you two points of health back or you know plus 20 stamina something like that and they're drawn at random at the beginning of rounds which is interesting but also means that the time spent in the safe room before you do the next run there can be some fucking waiting times there as you wait for everyone to get ready there was a lot of waiting around in the beta a lot of waiting around so yeah it's just i like it well enough mechanically and like it's fun enough to shoot stuff and all of that and it has a lot of the Left of Dead feel just a, a not as good an energy it's it's just less than at least in the beta and people who've sort of seen it kind of i think that's a fairly common consensus especially when it comes to the the playable characters Like, they're not a patch on the ones on Left 4 Dead, so if people go in expecting that level of banter and and affability, then they'll be disappointed, because no one stands out. And that's the back for Bloodbaiter, you know, it's just like the first act, really, the first set of levels. Um, I tried Versus, it's shit. (laughs) It's not like Left 4 Dead, or at least what I saw, it's not like the campaign. If there is, I'm interested, but it was just a horde mode with, you know, other players being the infected and it was just the experiences I had were fucking crap. Lasted a couple seconds around and was just dire. So yeah, Back for Blood. I am I did have a bit of fun with it, but yeah, it's just no Left for Dead.
2: That's that's a real shame. Yeah, World
1: War Z I've had more fun with. I was replaying a lot of that lately and there's just a more of a speed to it, and it's very satisfying to shoot the big zombie piles. It actually was difficult to go back for blood after that, because it, it just felt slower. So yeah, that's that. I am probably going to get it when it comes out. There was enough fun there that I'm interested to see if there is more to be found. But yeah, I'll take it, I guess. I think that's what it will be. It will be the I'll take it game. <laughs>
2: I'll I'll do another one and then we'll throw over to Comrade because I've still got a few to get through. So I played I, I started playing a game called Button City that caught my eye. Yeah, it's got it, it's come to a few platforms. I've been playing it on Switch. Yes, so it's about a bunch of little anthropomorphic animal characters and in your very 90s uh, family movie kind of way, they've got to save the arcade from the big evil capitalism fat cat, who is a cat, obviously. A lot of it is like narratively about like, hey, make new friends in a new place, use video games as a way to bond with each other. But mechanically, it is a little quest driven game. Here's the thing. There is clearly a plot that is to be explored in this game and I, I've had fun with what I've seen of the plot. I've been far more interested in the fact that this this video game's fake arcade has playable arcade games in it, and that is 100% what has been eating up my time. There are little arcade playable arcade machines that as you play them, you unlock additional modes, additional modifiers, a bunch of little things to do, and they're all surprisingly good quality. There was a really neat racing game In this arcade The gimmick is that by doing drifts round corners You build up your boost meter A meter much faster And the way to get good times On on the various tracks Is to always be boosting And drifting on every corner And to essentially try and Start using your boost just far enough away from a corner that like you can start drifting and fully refill your, your meter as you hit the corner. It was a really it, it played really well. It played better than some racing games I've played and it was a little mini-game hidden inside this, you know, adventure about saving an arcade. As a fun little multiplayer game about essentially a MOBA, but about trying to put fruit in a giant blender to make a big smoothie i mean i'm having fun the 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 characterization's been really nice i've been enjoying all of the 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 character writing i've been enjoying the way that this captures that energy of oh here's the rival rival set of teenagers that are slightly older and slightly more edgy than you ah here's we gotta we gotta band together though because our true enemy is the people trying to stop us having an arcade to have fun I've not played a huge amount of it, but it's been it's been pretty charming and the arcade games playable within it have been enough to sidetrack me from actually playing further into the game. This has been pretty fun. I need to play more of it. comrade. what have you been playing this week?
0: Well, the, the only other thing I've played is uh, Dodgeball Academia, which I've only played a bit of. Like, I've made it through probably the introductory portion of the game. Um, but this is a... Dodgeball RPG: mm. uh, where you are a child who, in classic turf literature fashion, receive a letter from a school inducting you into, you know, it's this, this dodgeball school for dodgeball. Mm. And, and your parents don't approve of your dodgeball ways. <laughs> but you get to run off and go be a part of this school for dodgeballers. And the school for dodgeballers has this mystical dodgeball in it that powers the whole school. It's real cute. Um, actually, in, in general, I think I like I love the environmental visuals of this. I'm not cr- as crazy about the character designs. but They're fine. Um, I, I wish the game zoomed out more and showed me more of the environment because they do look really good. But alas, uh, it's a pretty tight. View for the most part. But you play dodgeball against a variety of characters that, in general, their personalities can best be described as energetic. It's just a lot. Every character feels like a lot, just fine. It's very generally cheerful. You do immediately develop the rival character, and there's some mystery going on with them, and you have to form a team in the early missions, which is all I've accomplished. Uh, so that you can compete in the large tournament that I I assume the story is going to resolve with. And that's fun. The dodgeball mechanics themselves are very simple, and, you know, a lot of the quests are, go talk to this person, play dodgeball with them. And cool. The dodgeball game is super basic two-button and the analog. You have one button that throws and one button that, Catches and your second character on the team. When you get that ability, uh, they deflect rather than catching the ball, uh, which is slightly different timing and and mechanically interesting. I think the game's pretty fun. I haven't been super drawn back into it, and I think a lot of that is just because I I keep defaulting. Like if I'm going to play something right now, I'm really vibing on the Ascent because I don't have to think about it at all, and I don't have to think about this much either. But I'm feeling more shooty. Uh, I will probably return to this eventually. I do think it's pretty good. It's also on Game Pass right now. So, you know, I got a few months to get around to it. But in general, I think it's fun and and worth checking out. Nice. Yeah. That
1: was another one that had my eye. Uh, There's a a lot of things on the Switch right now that I'm not sure about, but I'm like, hmm.
2: I've been in a similar state. There's been, I've been trying a lot of like little bits of different things to try and work out what, What's gonna be my jam? Yeah, Steph, did you want to talk about uh, the last thing you've played? Yeah,
1: I've been replaying Vampire with a Y.
2: Yeah, that that focus focus home
1: interactive, isn't it? Yeah, one of those one of those janky bastards. <laughs> it's a janky bastard, but I do like it. It's very charming. It's just a, uh, I mean. I will say it's set in London during a massive flu epidemic, and that hits different from when I first played it in, like, 2018 or whenever it
0: was. <laughs> I would imagine so, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just a little bit different, but I can't make a spear out of blood and fling it in real life like I can in Vampire.
0: Are you sure?
1: Uh, no,
0: I can't. Well, it was worth a try.
1: It was always, it's always worth a go, you yeah. know? yeah always worth a go i guess that's all i've got to say on it it's still good yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) the only other one i've done a little bit of a try on and i I mainly want to talk about it because it's not quite the genre i expected it to be from trailers and i've not played enough of it to have much of an opinion but i want to tell people like hey this is what this game actually is uh, it's an indie game called Garden Story. You might have seen trailers for this in some of the Nintendo Directs. It's it's a little pixel art RPG where you play as a happy
0: little purple grape. Yes, I, have se- I remember seeing this previously. Yes.
2: Yeah, this has been floating around for a while and it's finally out. So uh, it starts off very traditional uh, RPG flair. There's a big magic tree that has given life to all these little fruit and vegetable people. And oh no, there's an evil, poisonous, pollution blight of some kind that's damaging the tree and we've got to go save the world or whatever. Um, So you play this little g- grape and you start off just, oh, I'm going to run around with my tiny little sword helping all the villagers. And the tutorial plays very traditional RPG and that's sort of what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then you suddenly get made mayor of a town and it becomes sort of town management a little bit Uh uh-huh every day you wake up and there are three quests on a quest board and you have to go complete those quests and they might be go find these resources and take them to this person they might be go defeat x number of these enemies go find the materials to repair the bridge or whatever and doing those will build up your villages various stats like how healthy is your village how uh what's the morale like in the village things like that It seems like there is a deadline to work towards where you have to get a certain amount of various village stats up by. This hasn't been explicitly said, but the game is counting how many days you've been in charge of the village. And every morning when you wake up, it tells you what day number you're on. If you at any point get knocked out by enemies, that day is a write-off. You don't get to do the quest that day. Oh. Which sure seems like...
0: Oh.
2: Hey... If you die more than a certain number of times, you will probably fail to have the stats you need before whatever nebulous day that you need the city to be ready. Huh. And I was very ready for just like a lighthearted little RPG. And I don't even mind the the structure of it being more about like preparing the village for a big thing. That's kind of interesting. I'm not sure how I feel about you died in a combat encounter. You now just don't get to do the content you were doing. That content's gone. And I wouldn't feel so bad about that if the game was a bit more clear upfront about what its rules are, because it hasn't explicitly said, but it really seems like it is, if you fail a certain number of days and don't get your stats up by some nebulous point in the future, it's gonna be a problem. But I'm like, I don't know how big of a problem one day that I missed is, is that a problem? The game hasn't really given me the information I need to understand the consequences of my success or failure yet. I'm just sort of doing things and trying to puzzle them out. The other thing that is a little frustrating is the tutorial for the game. When you get given these three quests on your first like, little tutorial day in charge, they put little map markers on, on the map for you, and it's a pretty big, wide, sprawling map. And I was like, great, that's wonderful. You've at least pointed me towards the three objectives I need to do before I you know, run out of health. After the tutorial, they don't do that. They just sort of go, hey, we're going to describe places you haven't been just sort of find them and the problem with that is more than once i was like okay i guess i'll go explore just random squares of the map i haven't been to yet in the hopes that maybe that's where the quest is oops i've stumbled into an area with very high level enemies that are doing me big damage and i probably shouldn't have come here and oops it's not telling me where to go and i feel like i am being punished for exploring to try and find out where to go like, for go for going the wrong way while trying to work out where to go feels like it is long-term stopping me from hitting whatever future progression goals I'm meant to hit. I feel like this is a game I might enjoy more in future if I read some wikis, and I, yeah. I read a wiki that's like, okay, wh- what are the mechanics, what are the stakes... What should I be doing? If I look up a location, where is it so I can head in the right direction? I feel like that's what I need to do to enjoy this. Mm -hmm. Because I've had a very mixed first experience with it.
1: Yeah, like a lot of what you say appeals to me until you say the bits that really don't.
2: Yeah, there are things I want to enjoy in here, but I feel like I'm treading on eggshells while I play.
1: At this time, James Stephanie had to step away for a sudden and urgent matter. So Laura and Conrad finished the rest of the episode.
2: So yeah, I, I'm I'm going to talk about a game, one last game I've played because it kind of neatly transitions us over into the news for this week.
0: Mhm.
2: I played Fortnite's new mode that is Ah,
0: uh, yeah. Basically
2: just among us. Right. Yeah, so Fortnite has a new game mode in it called Imposters. You are dropped into a map which has a very similar layout to the default map in Among Us, and ten players, two of whom are imposters, uh, have to run around completing various tasks. If the people who are not imposters can complete their tasks before they're all killed off, great, you win! But there's imposters and they can sabotage various bits around the ship and they've got to try and kill everyone and then lie about it. And there's a big meeting button you can hit and go, I ah, saw something or you can report bodies when you see them. And I know that this mechanic is not original. This has been done, of you not. know, this was done before Among Us. It's the basis of a lot of board games. Sure. And, and things like that. It, it's social deduction. But having played it, I played it for a good hour, hour and a half. It would be laughable if it wasn't so blatant How much they have just 100% just taken Among Us They've not tried to do their spin on it They've not gone, here's our version of a social deduction game It is very literally Among Us In some ways it's worse it's 3D Among Us but like you know how in Among Us all the characters are very clearly color coded which makes them very easier to identify and if you see someone you know as a glimpse past a dead body you can go oh I saw I remember seeing that color it's that person. You don't have any of that because here you're playing with various uh, character skins that people have earned in Fortnite including people might have the same character skin as each other
0: oh god
2: they have the player's name if you have time to read that and they have a little a tiny little square next to their name that is a color and a number but it is instantly less immediately recognizable than it is in among us oh the only thing they have in this that i couldn't that there isn't an analog for in among us which i think is the only interesting addition they've made is one of the sabotage methods is you can make ev- every character both imposter and and regular player into the same one outfit briefly and that gives you an opportunity to do a kill and run away and be like aha you, you, who was
0: it who knows all uh, right well yeah that's interesting
2: yeah that's interesting it is literally the only thing they've added to the the formula you cannot type messages or You can do voice chat, obviously, if you play with people you know, but in open lobbies, you can't just type whatever messages you want to each other. You have to use a predetermined messages wheel, which for the most part works, but it lacks some nuance and there will sometimes be things that you want to say and you just can't find ways to communicate. Mm -hmm. It is an inferior method of communication to Among Us, but... That, that's it it's it is very clearly an among us mode the news that has come out of this um is mainly that uh, there's been a lot of a lot of people who worked on among us have not been super happy about this and like i'm not going to go through all of their various like a couple of people on the dev team have made comparisons about the map things like that the thing that i'm i, I think is most interesting is in a sloth co-founder marcus bromander did some tweeting about his thoughts about this mode having happened. And the thing that I think is maybe newsworthy is the worst part is we've been actively trying to collaborate with them on an Among
0: Us mode. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. Very briefly, a mode kind of like this several months ago appeared as a limited time mode in Fortnite. And what it seems like is that the Among Us devs at that point went, hey, we'll reach out. We'd love to officially make some kind of crossover collaborations of some kind you know and if their tweets are to be believed that was completely ignored by epic who decided to just sort of make the mode themselves anyway so yeah i mean it's
0: so complicated i mean it's it's a scummy move yeah on the part of of epic to do this and not at the very least acknowledge right Uh, And they don't want to acknowledge because they don't want to draw attention to what is now for them a competing product.
2: Yes, but I feel like some of the things like using certain terms from Among Us in in the naming of their thing, they're not going out of their way to not draw attention to it.
0: No, they aren't, but they're only drawing the attention to people who already know Among Us exists and are familiar enough with it to draw that connection. And if they, you know, call it the Among Us mode in Fortnite or some, you know, or do some sort of clear attribution that it is inspired by Among Us, then people will go check out Among Us instead of playing Fortnite some. Yeah. And they don't want that. And that's awful. <laughs> like, it's an awful motivation, but it is a motivation to not do it.
2: No, no, I, I 100% understand why
0: they didn't do it. I get it. <laughs> I am not the sort of per, I don't think patenting game mechanics is a good thing or a solution.
2: I agree with you, and I will say the develop one of the dev team did comment on that and say we deliberately didn't d- attempt to do that because we don't think that's healthy for the industry. Yep, I I fully agree with that that perspective. Their stance was very much yeah, we know other people are going to make games like this, and we know we're going to you know have things inspired by us. We just wish that Epic had been like. 10% more, here's our spin on it. Yeah. Which I think is a fair stance to have, is, I, yeah, sure, do our thing, but change enough that it feels like your own thing. Do
0: our thing, but make it yours. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that is the, the least that you could ask. It, it's unfortunate, and it certainly doesn't, you know, improve my view on... Epic and Fortnite yeah. and their approach to development. Uh, it really just sort of continues to reinforce the view that they will take anything popular and exploit it uh, to maintain relevance. And all right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's that is all I have to say about that. Yeah, it is, it is, uh, yep. What it is. So we've got a couple more stories about abuse at various companies. This time it's a bit of a spread. It's not it's not all just Ubisoft and Activision Blizzard. We've got other people in the mix
0: this week. Well, I mean it's all it's all it's all the same story.
2: I mean, it's all the same story. <laughs> um we'll we'll start off with Riot. Riot Riot's back in in the news this week. Oh,
0: we love that. It's always good when Riot's back in the news.
2: Yeah, so uh the headline of this story from Eurogamer Riot misled staff about their right to speak out on harassment and discrimination, California says. So this is once again another story from the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing. What
0: is going on in California all of a sudden that they're paying fucking attention?
2: Well, apparently these have been some ongoing things that have just all surfaced at once. So yeah, the the Department of Fair Employment and Housing has said that Riot has failed to tell its staff of their right to speak to the government about harassment and discrimination. They apparently filed their own lawsuit against Riot back in February. They have apparently asked courts to compel Riot's compliance with the court's 4th of June order, requiring that the company send a notice to its workers about their rights to speak with them. So basically, back in June, as part of court proceedings back and forth between Riot and the state of California, It was ordered that Riot had to make sure that all of their staff knew you are allowed to talk to the California government about harassment and things that will not put your job at risk. And apparently Riot did not follow through on that. They did not go out of their way to tell their staff, it is okay for you to talk to the government who are trying to find out about harassment here.
0: Over the course of two months, they refused to send a company-wide email, basically is what we're talking about here. Yes, so uh... well, would you want to t- would you wanna make sure all of your employees knew that there was not going to be any consequence for ratting you out?
2: Yeah, if your employees fear that ratting you out will, you know, have consequences for them they might not tell the government about the bad shit you've been doing which might lead to less evidence against riot in court maybe someone cynically might view this as yeah someone might do that oh uh... <laughs> yeah um so riot has said in a statement notices are being sent to former employees to confirm that riot's severance agreements have never in any way prohibited speaking with government agencies <laughs> <laughs> They're doing it now, and they've only confirmed doing it to former employees, not anyone who's currently there to talk about it. Uh, there's, there's, this,
0: there's this Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode that this reminds me of, and, yeah. and I'm not going to go into the full description of it, because people who would get this joke, they'll have seen it, but it, it it's the implication. It's the implication.
2: Ah, uh, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah so yeah riot has been for some reason who the fuck knows has been dragging their feet on you know telling people they have a right to talk to the government when the government's investigating abuse there can we just say good job of employment fair employment and housing department of california you are fucking on it at the moment
0: Mm, no i'm not gonna go that far i'm gonna i'm gonna be like where the fuck were you Prior to this point, continue. You know, I appreciate that you're showing up.
2: That's fair. I'm glad that suddenly you are doing something. I am curious
0: why. I I, I do wonder. <laughs> well, was there something? I just I can't. They're so busy all of a sudden. I can't help but feel like there's something going on in local California politics that uh that might. Mm, um, uh, mm, mm, okay. there is a governor's mm-hmm. race going on. Yeah. I mean,
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so let's let's get on to other stories that came up this week Because we got more of them, we gotta get through them More Activision Blizzard stuff, because of course well, Of course Activision Blizzard is accused of routinely deadnaming trans staff So a, a report by Kotaku that I came across through Pink News Basically more investigation into people's accounts of working at Activision
0: Blizzard This is a QA focused, right? Yeah
2: Yeah, so this is focused on the working conditions of the QA team. You know, there's other stuff in here that talks about things like being made to work overly long hours for overly low pay, having job instability. All things that are very much things that happen to QA teams and seem to be happening here too. Uh, Specifically, 50 to 60 hour work weeks are a minimum for QA. Salary rates are considered low. Activision Blizzard has said that uh, overtime is voluntary, but we all know that voluntary overtime and actually voluntary overtime are two very different things. Many QA employees do not receive company benefits. There are stories in the report of trans employees being deadnamed, uh, being misgendered.
0: Imagine working 50 to 60 hours a week for no benefits and not being part of the gaming press.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... So, on top of that specifically about the trans stuff, many of the company's internal programs almost always default to legal names according to one QA tester. Changing the name requires an overly complicated process involving the HR department, but even then, programs will often repeatedly reset the names of employees back to dead names. So, if you fight through HR and get your name changed, the computer might just decide to start dead naming you again out of nowhere. Yeah, so according to one quoted QA tester, this puts trans employees at risk of randomly being outed. Um it's incredibly disrespectful. HR is aware of this issue and has supposedly been talking with others to get the issues fixed, but this has been going on for at least a year.
0: I mean, this again just loops back around to a uh Lack of diversity And hiring issue Yeah Because these systems Are not designed With the thought in mind That this would ever be Something that would Need to be done
2: It's very telling That they never thought They would need to Change someone's name And that having issues With permanently changing A name might be Disrespectful Right
0: So once again That that to me Is the larger solution To this problem That is uh, pervasive Yeah The programming of the system is designed in such a way as to ignore your existence yeah is devastating uh from a morale perspective i mean i i can't even imagine
2: yeah and on top of this there's still more for trans and non-binary staff oh, of course yeah billy another member of the qa team requested that their teammates address them with they them pronouns Their teammates, all male, repeatedly refused. One team member made a classic joke. I identify as an attack helicopter. While sitting a few seats down from me, Billy said. No one said anything to correct it. When Billy contacted the HR department to request further sensitivity training for staff, they heard nothing for months. HR just didn't do anything about it. That's... Yeah,
0: I mean... Yeah. I can't... It's...
2: (laughs) So yeah, just 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 more unearthing of Activision Blizzard, just not taking seriously these kind of problems and not doing enough to, you know, be a good employer.
0: Yeah.
2: And we got one more story. We're back to Ubisoft
0: for this one. Oh, you mean U- Ubisoft, the, the corporation that has made absolutely... Abysmal efforts to address the long-standing record of abuse allegations against its management and board the very same funnily enough okay just wanted to make sure
2: yeah yeah well uh, the story is gonna remind us that that's the case oh good there is currently an investigation into ubisoft singapore over alleged unfairness and sexual harassment uh so this is according to an investigation by kotaku staff at ubisoft singapore which is home to around 500 staff and is currently working on skull and bones allegedly suffered from sexual harassment Uh, racial pay disparities and bullying by managers, as well as bad projects and toxic leaders. In a report by The Straits Times, which is an English-language newspaper from Singapore, the National Watchdog for Fair Employment Practices has launched an investigation into Ubisoft Singapore over the claims. So, according to the newspaper... If Ubisoft Singapore is found to be in breach of the Ministry of Manpower's fair consideration framework, basically, if it finds that any of the accusations against Ubisoft uh, Singapore are accurate, it could be barred from applying for new work passes for foreign staff or renewing existing ones for at least a couple of years.
0: Sounds like the activity of a real mommy state, huh? Oh! That's uh, <laughs> because the Ministry of Manpower it abbreviates to moms, it's a- It does indeed That's the mm.
2: Yeah Police are apparently Also investigating Sexual misconduct If anything is found To have been a criminal Offence The police are Following up on this And looking to Have fines Or jail time Ubisoft Singapore In response to this report Says it's invested In a dedicated Learning path To support Singaporeans And help take staff On leadership opportunities
0: Leadership opportunities Mmm
2: It sure sounds like What if we just, what if we just hired a couple of
0: minority people so you, it
2: it looks like we've done it, we'll we'll bring them up to leadership, there, we fixed it. You
0: know, corporate retreat could be read a couple ways. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm.
2: They also insist, compensation is determined by role, responsibility, market practices and performance. Which seems to be in response to the claims that they have been racially disparate in how they pay people they seem to be taking the tact of no 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 no, we're doing it for all these reasons it's not it's not it's not because of race no ubisoft singapore's management insisted that the studio does not tolerate harassment discrimination blah 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 i acknowledge that the studio has seen some challenges over the past decade and there is still work to be done about our studio culture this it doesn't fucking stop.
0: Who's, who's, who's Daryl Long? That's the managing director at Ubisoft Singapore. Sorry,
2: yes. Apologies for not yes mentioning the name. Yes. See, so, yeah. Hey, everyone that said stop talking about Ubisoft, that story's done. It's not done. It's not done. That story's still going. Yeah. Government agencies
0: are having to investigate Ubisoft because shit's still going on. And that's apparently what's necessary. It's utterly clear that Ubisoft has no intention of cleaning house itself, and then it's going to have to fall to the jurisdictional responsibility of whatever states it's operating in to bring them to heel. That's how it works, and it all could have been avoided. Yeah. yeah. Another proposition more or less in the bag, I guess. Uh, Laura! Me! Hey. Uh, why don't you tell the people about the books and things and all of the magnificent work you do?
2: All of the stuff I do. You can find me everywhere at Laura K. Buzz. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. I do TikTok videos. Go check that out as well. That, that's that been something I've been enjoying doing. I Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Fridays are typically, for the foreseeable future, going to be train simulator speedrunning streams because... I have managed to end up being a moderator for the speedrunning community for that game, which means that I can submit times because it kind of had no moderators for a while. So that's going to be fun. Also, uh, I got books, Uncomfortable Labels, Things I Learned From Mario's Butt, Gender Euphoria, they're all out now. There's podcasts, Pixel Squirts about video game porn Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't video games that I've done in the week And Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons & Dragons podcast I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 They're all their own stories, jump in wherever You used to be
0: on that, Conrad I sure did, and you can also find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram You can also catch me live on Twitch Twitch.tv slash ThatConradZimmerman. I'm on usually four days a week at various times. Just hit the follow button and it'll notify you. You could purchase anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com. You can also buy audiobooks from me at conradreads.com. And if you want some more podcasts, I do a podcast about snacks called Let's Talk About Snacks with Lauren Morgan and Linda Camiolo. And that. Releases every Monday, usually. And there's New Boston's Favorite, Sun, that recently released. Go check that out. Ooh. Good, good fun there. And everything I do online gets supported on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash And you know who else has a Patreon? <gasps> Why, it's James Stephanie Sterling.
2: Oh, goodness. Yes,
0: that's uh, patreon.com slash Jimquisition, right? I think that's right. Yes. I believe so. I believe so. And also, don't forget to go check out the Gymporium, where there's a whole bunch of merchandise available. And very soon, very gay t-shirts back in stock. <gasps> Hooray! Hooray. Um, and I think that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, and uh, yeah. Um, bye. Bye! <laughs>